This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. This is Sharmila Ganesan, Leech Milan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight in the lead up to Madeka Day, we're asking a bit of an emotive question. Are you hopeful about Malaysia's future? And throughout the show, we'll be hearing from people who are all working to make Malaysia a better place. But mostly, of course, we want to hear from you. Are you hopeful for Malaysia? What keeps you going? That number to call is 7733-2900. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. is 6.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. Um, and as we said, you will be hearing throughout the show today from various people who are in their own way working towards a better Malaysia, whatever that might mean. And in various ways, what that could be something we should be aspiring towards. But it is quite of a tough conversation to be having now as well, I think, because for a while now, I feel like there has been especially online, and perhaps this isn't the best gauge of things, uh, a slight sense of hopelessness when we talk about Malaysia and the future, um, all this talk about migrating. Um, and I thought we could kick off the show by perhaps a, a little bit of a collective um, discussion on what that feels like, what keeps us going, really, in terms of thinking about Malaysia and living here. Why would I want to be anywhere else? So mm. actually, this is my, my starting point. I I know that it's not a really strong argument when you're talking to somebody who really feels as if uh, the country is starting to reject them or as if there's not a lot here. But I, I think for me, call it a lack of imagination. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I, I just... I've lived in other places, but I've never been able to envision living out my days somewhere else. I think um, Malaysia is just the place I, I want to be. Um, and actually, in a broader sense, I don't know. Maybe I enjoy parts of my life here so much in a day-to-day -day sense that I don't feel hopeless. Um, sure, you know, sometimes leading up to elections, post-elections, when politics are, you know, when the temperature is running at an all-time high, or when you hear about some new particularly hateful little adage that, <laughs> that someone is, you know, putting out in the news, you do get that feeling, I'm not going to lie. But then, you know, I, I buy food that I like from people that I like and, you know, come into work or, you know, I, they're, they're just things that I enjoy about living here. Yeah, I'd say to the whole migration knee-jerk response is, um, and I call it knee-jerk because I think it tends to come from a very a place of, of deep hurt. Um, is I say to myself, but I might want to leave, but who's going to want me? <laughs> So that's the reality check that keeps me now focused on the positives. And I think one of the things that I notice on social media and from people, and sometimes a lot of this negativity is driven by people who live outside of Malaysia, former Malaysians. Uh, what I find about them is that they don't have the benefit, as Lynn just, you know, you noted, that everyday living is actually quite fine and people are good generally, right? It's a politics that is, is in fact, many ways poisoning the lived experience of many Malaysians. The everyday is fine and, and that's what I, I'm constantly reminded of is how good in some very basic and fundamental sense Malaysians are. I'm going to push back a little bit, Sharad, only oh, to say, say yeah, well, no, firstly, actually, I, I clearly, I'm still here doing this show. Um, but does it, who wants you? <laughs> this is a good <laughs> question. I, yo. Yeah, I, he had to make it dark right out of the gate. Um, no, I wanted to say that I think by and large, every day is is fine, could change from person to person, um, depending on uh, access, privilege. So there are many notions that can affect that. I also think that if you are particularly um, a parent and uh, worried about what your children's future might be like, um, that also could shape things in a certain way. Because I know a lot of people who make the, and, and frankly, difficult decision to migrate because of um, uh, perceived lack in the education system or perceived inequality in terms of opportunities. So all of those, I think, are valid responses. But 
for me, I think what keeps me hopeful from Malaysia is the... Uh, I was actually over the weekend at an event with a lot of people who were not Malaysian and everyone kept saying, oh, Malaysians are so welcoming. Malaysians are by and large friendly. Malaysians are by and large nice to each other. And I actually genuinely do think that that's true. I think by and large, we have a um, shared sense of identity that binds us in a particular way. And I'm reminded of that each time I go out and um, I'm buying something or eating somewhere. And then I realize actually there is actually nowhere else I'd rather be. Um, I also think that I, uh, a lot of the people that I've met in the line of work that we do inspire me and, and keep me here. Um, and we will be hearing from them, as I said. But uh, keep your thoughts coming. We want to hear from you. Are you hopeful for Malaysia? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, before we take a break, one of the people that we spoke to, this is Ivy Josiah, who is, of course, a women's rights advocate. Of course, I have immense hope for Malaysia. I've seen it for myself over the past 40 years, how we, the people, especially Malaysian women, fight for equality in all areas of our lives, from equal pay to protection from violence against women. And we have achieved much in spite of the oppression from some quarters. And we will continue to fight for a kinder Malaysia. And at the end of the day, our diversity will triumph. And as Malaysians, we've always relied on each other. We will not let each other down. That was Ivy Josia, women's rights advocate, um, telling us why she remains hopeful about Malaysia. That in many ways echoes what we've been talking about, right? That the reason mm. why you feel hopeful for the country is each other. Yes. That's lovely. Keep your thoughts coming. Are you hopeful for Malaysia? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and keep it here. BFM eighty nine point nine. Being first matters. BFM eighty nine point nine. It's 6.15. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we're asking you, are you hopeful for Malaysia? Call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We do have a caller on the line. Uh, good evening, Madi. What are your thoughts? Good evening, Sharad, uh, Shamila and Lynn. Uh, my thoughts, well, I would like to start what I am in, in the sense that I'm the third generation in this country. Uh, so my children are the fourth and my grandchildren are the fifth generation. I worked in many countries, uh, but always came back because the opportunities, the living style and the comfort, the ease of living is in Malaysia. Let's face it. Only those who never been or someone uh, you know, I always think the field is uh, the greener the other side. But, however, like, again, like what Sharad commented just now, it's, I, in the recent times, I tend to think whether what was good for me, is it good for the future generation in my line? Uh, too much of uh, politics have come in, too much of the race and religion thing has come in, but I am still hopeful. I am still hopeful. This is a blessed country. I mean, I have worked in very difficult situations in other countries around the region and even in developed countries. Uh, but it's not as easy as Malaysia. Malaysia is beautiful, I would say. Madi, I, I wanted to ask you, because this is something that I mm. think about as well. You know, um, mm. we, we all spoke earlier about how day-to-day -day living is a wonderful thing here in the country, but yeah. then the politics mm. gets tough. And um, yeah. for you, when you read the news or hear the news, how do you kind of um, compartmentalise it or, or separate it away from the daily living you know, experience, or do you not? Yeah, uh, the first thing that strikes me is that, who are these guys? I mean, are they thinking? Are they concerned for the people? I mean, the politics, the politicians are supposed to be concerned for the riot. Are they really thinking or thinking for themselves? And many people have answered that question in the recent past. They say, these guys, 
not all of them, not all of them, but those who make the loudest noise think for themselves. And there are issues, of course. As a developing country, uh, we need a lot more governance and you know, controls or better facilities. Whichever direction you look at in governing this country, everything needs improvement. Even in developed countries, they need to keep developing or improving. But what we need is that uh, it, it saddens when uh, it becomes uh, very personal and I mean, the thinking level is so low that I hesitate to even argue with them on that point. Madi? You get it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah. I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. So that, that, that's what, you know. So I hope the, the only way for us to change is the people need to change it. The people need to, not like in the recent election, they say, oh, I'm going to, I don't like it. Uh, uh, what's the point of voting? You know, it doesn't matter. No, we are the people. We are the government. They are representing us. We can do something. We have do, done something this far. It is not like the one-party system we had previously. But we continuously have to push the line, the boundary. And I'm sure as we go on and we don't give up, there is a future in Malaysia. Madi, thank you for that. Um, I mean, I think that's always important to say that, you know, we do have a lot of say in the system that we live under. Yeah, we're reasonably democratic. I mean, we could be more democratic, I guess. But I think one of the things that Madi points to is the need for a comparative perspective on this. Uh, And I know, uh, you know, the idea that the grass is always green on the other side, uh, you know, as he mentioned, is one of the, the things that trips up people who think that leaving is the solution because they go to other countries and I remember this uh, new uh, uh, Kiwi or New Zealander uh, his historian Ranganui Walker saying you know that many people come to uh, to New Zealand and they migrate there forget that the kind of freedoms that New Zealand has was won it was won by people struggling and so in many ways you're migrating to somebody and living off um, the 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 real struggles of people to make things better. And so why not stay in your country and make that better? We do have another caller on the line. Good evening, YM. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening. Um, I actually echo what uh, Madi was saying. So my opinion is also the same. The fact that um, I do have hope and my hope is is, is on the right yard itself. And um, I think we can do a lot of changes and and we need to show how harmony we are living in this country, the togetherness between all of us, you know, Malay, Indian, Chinese. If we could show that, I think that is something that we're teaching the politician. Listen, you got to hear the rakyat and do for us. We do no longer want to hear you anymore. You know, that kind of message has to go to the politicians. I think it's all in the hand of our, us the right yet and I totally agree what Madi was saying. It's not nice living in another country. I've been traveling around the world. Don't go far. Don't go to the European country. Ask yourself, do you really want to live in Thailand and Bangkok, your neighbor? No. I would like to live in Malaysia. That's my point. Thank can, you. Can I ask you one question, though? I mean, do you think that social media divides people? There are a lot of strong emotions on social media. Is that one of the problems that we have today? totally agree with you because social media is is something that can play your mind. It, it, it's a very strong mind game, I must tell you. Social media is so powerful. So I don't know whether we should control social media, but it, there should be a mechanism, there should be a way that the social media represents every message. So it's a very powerful tool. It's a very strong tool that play your mind. So yeah, it's not a good thing at some point. That's what I feel. Why am thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Um really some some great points there. Um I love I love actually these um I love the sense of hope that we um we are part of this. We can do this. I think that's 
much needed after quite a, a bruising few years, particularly when it comes to our politics. Okay, uh, some messages that don't feel that way. Because, <laughs> no, we, we're getting a lot yes. of very positive ones. But before that, you know, for the sake of balance, Ian says, day-to-day living is just fine if you earn in US dollars like the expats here do, so they don't need to deal with the shringit as we do. Yeah, so that's the painful part. And I, I do, I think we admit that, you know, I mean, you have to admit that there are problems. I mean, no country is devoid of problems. People who migrated to Canada now dealing with forest fires and they're dealing with high mortgages and they're dealing with all kinds of things. All the, 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 the lands of milk and honey, as it were, for the Malaysian who wants to leave Europe and its crisis, you know, the US and its crisis, Australia. So it's not like... They don't. There aren't problems elsewhere. The question is, how much are we? Do we feel empowered to change our circumstances? I think that's the real issue. Today, we have m- more opportunities to get involved than we did before. So CK says, leave Malaysia. I feel like every country out there is much more competitive compared to us. I don't expect us to suddenly be outstanding just because we are under a new government. I just hope that the gov- uh, that the country doesn't get too far into a right-wing mindset. As for the future generation, I'm telling you, I already warned us of bruising messages. Because CK says, as for the future generation, I believe that they are here to suffer no matter whether they're born in Malaysia or any other country. Right. Well, at least equal opportunity. <laughs> yes, just bleak everywhere. You, you mean by... <laughs> CK is referring to planet Earth. Is that is that what he's saying? I would think, I think so. This oh, is yeah. a climate change. Future is going to be difficult either way. Look, it, it, it's it's a legitimate concern. I agree, um, but I I think there is something to be said for um, also. I don't know, focusing on what we can do because sometimes when problems seem so overwhelming, um, it can paralyze you into not doing anything. Um, and I find it quite helpful to think about the small things you can do to make life better for yourself or the people around you. Ron, meanwhile, um, says, I would be more hopeful if more can be done to address the aging population. Well, yeah, that is certainly um, a a social policy issue. I think that there are, in fact, experts now working on this. and it's not it's not unique to Malaysia. You know, China has this problem. Uh, Japan has this problem. Many countries. The question is whether we reach a point of um, of capacity to now deal with this problem. Well, uh, yes, but the other thing I wanted to say, right? Not so much in relation to the aging population, because I think that that we should make the country easier to live in for for everyone, mm. right? So, aging population, absolutely. Uh, people with disabilities, absolutely. Children, just. It would be nicer if we were more livable. That's just a fact. But I wanted to go back to the thing that CK said about... I think that there are many other countries that are more competitive than Malaysia. I think this is really interesting. And, and maybe um, it's maybe it's a silly thing to say on a business station, but is that what everybody wants, to live in a country that is deeply competitive and booming? Because I think that actually there is an increasing pushback against the notion of um, needing to... I'm just going on the word competitive, of needing to be in a space of hustle, of needing to be in a space of constant opportunity and possibility in terms of the economy. Of course, we all want the ability to earn money. Of course, you want the ability to earn well. Um, Whether or not you feel an urge to participate in a much more competitive space, I think is is actually a separate question. Yeah, and I think there's also the... um, the the balance to that, which is, do you want to live in a country that is so competitive, doesn't think about those who fall through the, you know, the net and or fall behind, uh, mm. fall behind, or do you want to live in a country that it, it has a good balance of the competitiveness with a compassion? I mean, I just think that Malaysia is a much more compassionate place generally. Of course, there are there are groups that feel the hard edge of this country. My fear for the country is that we become through government and the nasty right-wing politics that we're seeing uh, gaining strength, less compassionate, less accommodating. Um, I actually love that that um, exactly what you said, Sherrod. I think we often forget, for instance, our, our healthcare system and how many people it enables to get proper care um, and how there are many countries that are considered more advanced economies that certainly don't do as well as we've been doing. Of course, again, it needs work. We are talking about fixing or or retooling how this works for us. But I agree. I think by and large, compassion is is something that I associate with Malaysia quite deeply. Uh, Before we take a break, um, we 
have another voice note to play. This is from Shak Koyok, who is an Orang Asli uh, visual artist as well as activist. What I hope for future Malaysia is Malaysian government uh, and also all the fellow Malaysians together in recognizing the indigenous land right because land is a very sacred to Orang Asli and also indigenous people in Malaysia and land also is our identity. My work, not just painting or art making, but also my work try to help many of our Aransi community in terms of fighting to get their land recognized by authority and also try to get more young generation of Aransi to know about their, their right so they can stand and they can fight for their right in the future. Thank you. Happy Merdeka Day. That was Shakoyo, who is a uh, Orang Asli visual artist and activist. And uh, of course, we've been asking various people who are working towards building a better Malaysia. Um, are they hopeful about Malaysia and what keeps them going? And that was one of the people we spoke to. I uh, I fully support that. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to add to that in an articulate way because I think that that's hugely important. And truly, actually, if you think about what keeps people going, especially activists, it is often fostering younger generations of activists, is it not? And, you know, kind of getting support from that. Yeah, and, you know, sharp points of to a very important fact, the, the land. And, uh, you know, and the idea that the Orang Asli have always thought of the land as themselves as custodians of the land. And I think that will, in many ways, lead us to better solutions about climate change and resilience. Keep your thoughts coming. Are you hopeful for Malaysia? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here, BFM 89.9. Building Future Malaysia. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.39. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we've been talking about um, Malaysia, future and uh, having hope, really. We've been asking you, are you hopeful for Malaysia? Keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, um, as we've been hearing throughout the show, we've reached out to various people who are doing work um, in the NGO sector and other forms of advocacy, essentially working towards a better Malaysia. And we've been asking them um, whether they're hopeful and what keeps them going. So we have here a voice note from. Kedi Swaran Nadaraja, who is with the Education Welfare Research Foundation. They're an NGO that works with underprivileged and underserved children. I'm hopeful for Malaysia that one day we will look beyond race and religion. I also believe that every kid should be given an equal opportunity despite their differences in socioeconomy and also educational background. What keeps me going is I believe every kid has its own capability and differences which empowers our nation. If we stir them into the right direction, they will be our future leaders to bring our nation forward. Thank you. That was Kedi Suranadraja from the Education Welfare Research Foundation. Um, I love that. The, um, the belief that every child has differences and that these can be harnessed to essentially empower the future of our nation is is a very hopeful thing to talk about. The mention of children is interesting because I want to tie this to what TIDJ says uh, on WhatsApp. TIDJ says, I've never really thought about the future of Malaysia because I've no offspring, nor do I intend to have any. I'm more excited to see what this nation evolves into. If the Federation fails, uh, what will fill the void? I'd like to provide a point to ponder based on what Madi said, that Malaysians aren't racist on an individual level, but when in groups, some friendly people exhibit racial tendencies. I'm not sure if it's a mob mentality or some kind of FOMO. So a few things to break down <laughs> there. I think I wanted to tie this to what Katie said because um, there are people who will choose not to have children. Um, Sharad has spoken about this at length, frankly, um, on air. The Voluntary Human Extinction Initiative started in the late 70s, I believe. There we go. So um, th- that's something to consider, yes. But then I, I love that Katie ties it to not 
his own children, but, you know, thinking about children as a future mm. generation and guiding it. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing, though, to your point about if the Federation fails, we've got a show in the works, TIDJ, that's going to be coming up in <laughs> September that actually explores the viability of the Federation. So, you know, stay tuned for that. The Malaysians not being racist on an individual level, I think, is a really interesting one. So, of course, there is that thing. We're all a little bit racist on some level. And it's just about acknowledging it and working through um, those limitations or those blinkers. Actually, to some extent, I believe that that's true, that there are certain prejudices that we sort of internalize as we grow up. Um, and it's very difficult to move away from them. I think what matters, though, is how we work on perhaps calling it out when we see it happen in our social circle or around us, and perhaps even just being able to talk about it. There's also this strange impulse, I think, when people think about um, how bad Malaysia is or they assume that Malaysia is that bad, they need to leave. All the countries that they choose have major race issues. It's just that when they imagine they're going to those countries, they won't be the victim of that racism. That in fact, that racism either applies to Aboriginal Australians or it applies to Maori people or it applies to Native Canadians. Whatever it is, they imagine that they're going to be in the dominant group. And I've seen this happen with people who, even academics who write about uh, minority issues when they come from a country where they are minorities, suddenly find themselves very comfortable in a country where they are the majority and then forget their concerns about minorities. Munif actually has a point about um, these complex issues of race and so on. So Munif says, I'm hopeful that Malaysians will experience a second Merdeka, a Merdeka from politician-induced hatred, a Merdeka from the thinking that a race that is not yours is the problem. Once we eventually achieve this form of Merdeka, true positive change will come. What I appreciate about that message, Munif, aside from the sentiment, is that you're not saying if we get there. You're saying once we get there, <laughs> which I appreciate. I think that that is uh, the essence of what we're trying to get at with the hope, right? <laughs> idea that if you hope um, and believe, then you are actually saying this is going to happen. It's not just something that we need to say if and when. Um, the thing, though, that strikes me about both these messages is the the way in which we talk about rhetoric and the role that rhetoric plays in inciting a feeling of threat or hate or whatever it may be in a group of people. And I think the reason why individual Malaysians don't often get um, aggressive or, you know, they, they're not walking up to people and calling them names, like racist names in the street, um, it really comes down to the fact that I think most of us don't feel threatened by each other on an individual level. What really happens is when you tell somebody that your entire group of people is under threat, what whatever that group may be. And then you feel the need to be an emissary or a representative of that group. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I, I just don't think that that many of us walk up to someone else and go, oh, we are different and you are an active threat to me. I just don't think that's how people think about it. Yeah, there's also this, uh, the difference between what you might experience yourself and the negative experience you might have and the, and the general situation, right? So, uh, and I think there are people who are inclined to think of the negative. What's interesting about the individuals that who, are, who we've been uh, showcasing is that none of them can be accused of not knowing what's happening on the ground because all of them are activists who work on the ground, work with precisely the problems that many of the people who are negative bring up uh, in their comments, but they are the people who somehow are willing to work with those uh, problems that the country have and, and has and, the, and then work towards solutions instead of being, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, just wading in the negativity and, you know, living off the negativity. Well, that actually leads very nicely into our next voice note. Um, we have one from Johnson Ui, who is the founder and chief officer of Epic Collection. They're a platform that develops community-based housing solutions. Yes, I do have hope for Malaysia because I've been privileged to see and meet so many extraordinary people who are just committed to making a difference in their communities from urban to rural areas as well. These people are constantly thinking beyond themselves, thinking about the future, thinking about how can they actually make a difference and leave it better for those that will come after us. Now, these are people that are hungry to make a change. Um, people who are starting their own NGOs, people who are championing 
initiatives, people who are building homes, starting farms, helping recycle, thinking about climate change. Um, so I, I think that a lot of people in Malaysia that have this sort of desire are, and are in fact acting on it already. Uh, and so it's quite hard to lose hope uh, for Malaysia. And I really, really hope that more Malaysians actually see this and get to meet more people like that. That was Johnson Oi, who is founder and chief officer of Epic Collection. They work on uh, community-based housing solutions. Actually, partly it's actually really that, right? Getting out there and speaking to Malaysians who are perhaps not quite like you to understand what their perspective of the world is. Well, that and also recognising that there are lots of people actually doing stuff. Yes, no, because absolutely. I actually think that this is a real problem that we have, you know, that we do when we talk too much, when we when we talk to people who are very similar to us for too long, um, you get trapped in. That's how hopelessness creeps in. I think it's this feeling of, well, everything is the same and every day is just a new batch of headlines that are surrounding this issue. And that is why BFM has a show called Good Things, because I think that the premise there being to remind people People, that actually there are good people and good things happening, good Malaysians actually trying to do things. Yeah, you know, you've brought up this question of the media shaping the view of government, Lynn, and in an interview you did recently. And I think this is partly a problem with the media. The media doesn't thrive on positivity. It thrives on putting out those um, those headlines that trigger. So, you know, what was Twitter Jaya has become Trigger Jaya, basically. Everybody's triggered in, endlessly by the headlines. They're not willing to take a breath, step back, learn more before they comment. So everybody's issuing uh, ultimatums, you know, uh, statements and, you know, uh, drawing a line in the sand and say, you've crossed it. And, and, and so... There's a level of anger I know out there, and it's most intense in social media, which is why I asked the previous caller about it, because I, I think we need to recognise where this is coming from and then manage it. So keep your thoughts coming. Are you hopeful for Malaysia? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after this. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Build Fairer Malaysia, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.50. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We've been asking you whether you are hopeful about Malaysia. So keep sending your thoughts through. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. We've also been reaching out to various activists and um, people who work with NGOs or advocates and asking them that same question as well as what keeps them going. So we have a number of uh, voice notes to get through from uh, different people doing some very important work, frankly. Let's kick things off with this from Antheo, who co-founded ROSE. Uh, they are a civil society organization in Sarawak that works on fair and free elections. Uh, yes, I'm still hopeful for Malaysia and the future of Malaysia because I believe this current crop of politicians uh, that we have in the unity government, uh, hopefully, will be able to work across their own parties, uh, work across the parties, come up with inclusive and progressive for so long as they can come up with inclusive and progressive policies. Um, for the benefit of the right yard, I think we will have a, a good future for Malaysia. Huh? But I still have some concerns and I, I believe uh, insofar as Rose is concerned, we still need to share and spread the message of citizens' participation you know, uh, in the democratic processes. Because if we fail to participate, if we fail to give inputs uh, to the to the kerajaan and to the uh, politicians in power and we fail to participate and be concerned about what's happening around us and the reforms that is needed around us then we fail to influence and steer the country in the direction that we want or steer the community in the direction that we want so we must remind ourselves as normal citizens to participate and influence decision makers in the way that uh, we should as, uh, as part of of our citizens' responsibility. So happy Malaysia Day or happy Merdeka Day to everyone. 
That was Anthew, uh, co-founder of Rose. Uh, they work in Sarawak uh, to advocate for fair and free elections. Very rousing call there. So I, I think that I almost wish that we'd played that voice note after I read the, the next few messages because I think it's actually a direct response because Naga says, this is a difficult question. Looking at the political scenarios on which most of the other issues are broadly based, it's not promising. Racial issues are emphasised, religious differences are gaining prominence, we do not have political leaders with a broad outlook for Malaysia, the number of good leaders thinking along these lines are dwindling or not given importance. Uh, similarly, we also have uh, Ahwat, who's worried about Malaysia becoming more conservative, saying that conservative ideas catch on, not positive about the future of Malaysia and so on. And um, a lot of people are drawing this directly to politics. This is something we kind of acknowledged at the start as well, that it's an issue. But I think what ends message reminds us is that politics is also in many ways responsive to the people or rather political leaders are put there by people. So if people don't want that, then don't have that. And in fact, the, the earlier callers that we had and the earlier messages we had reflect, uh, you know, said exactly that. So I just wanted to bring it up now uh, as we approach the news, just to remind everybody that actually that's an important element of the conversation to consider as well. Yeah, it, I think what Anne's saying is, what are you doing about this? What is it that... How are you contributing to a better country? And if you don't like what leaders are saying, are you telling them so? You know, mm. so it's it's that. Yeah, and I think we've become sufficiently democratic uh, so that nobody can say, well, if I stood up, I would be uh, thrown into jail or so on and so forth, right? I mean, I think there is space and all the people that we speak to work tirelessly for change and, you know, and most of them, uh, you know, are free. I mean, it's not like they are in jail I Unlike many countries in the world where people and activists are regularly uh, thrown into jail for for uh, advocating progressive and inclusive ideas. So someone else that we reached out to, Heidi Kwa, uh, who's the founder of Refuge for the Refugees, here's what she had to say. More hopeful than I've ever been in a long time. Um, I've worked at refugees for the past 11 to 12 years now and through the pandemic, through the floods and through some of our toughest years, you know, we've seen how Malaysians are people who are so kind, so caring, so compassionate and so thoughtful. Um, you know, we often take pride in our hospitality and I think it really shines through, you know, when the going gets tough. Um, Malaysians truly show up. So I am excited for the years ahead. Um, and I'm excited, you know, as we continue just leaning into um, the qualities that we so proudly possess, you know, the positive qualities like kindness, like compassion and generosity. That was Heidi Kwa, founder of Refuge for the Refugees. Um, we asked her essentially what keeps her going. I identify with that so deeply because really during the pandemic and all of the turmoil of the politics as well as the larger global situation, exactly that, looking at how the average Malaysian was helping um, those in need, um, responding to calls for assistance and help, gave me a lot of faith in this country and its people. Yeah, the, it's very surprising. Heidi works with the most marginal of people in this country. They're not even citizens. And so their expectations of access to justice are even less than, you know, than the most marginal of Malaysians. So that she should be so hopeful is is really interesting because she, and because there are people who work in a field, and I've seen this on social media, who constantly berate the, our country for its failures uh, with refugees and sometimes say, I want to leave the country themselves. So, so I'm thinking, oh, uh, you know, so Heidi's positive message really comes from a place of knowing what's happening on the ground and yet she's positive. Just to close off on the voice notes that we got, uh, or rather we reached out for, um, we have Kyu Jiayo, who is co-deputy chair of the Bar Council Environment and Climate Change Committee. All things considered, I am firmly optimistic for Malaysia to grow into its beautiful potential. The thing that compels me to have faith is the knowledge that there are amazing people in all corners of this country working towards making things better. That keeps me believing and looking forward to every merdeka. 
That was Q Jiayo, co-deputy chair of the Bar Council Environment and Climate Change Committee, um, really talking about uh, our potential to be better with how we manage the environment. Yes, but also, again, emphasising the people. And I return to this point simply because we are getting lots of messages that continue to talk uh, very particularly about politics and politicians and political leaders. And I understand that they hog a lot of the headlines. (laughs) You know, they take up a lot of oxygen, they take up a lot of air. But what I'm hoping we are getting at with today's voice notes is that there are other people who are making the country what it is. and, And hopefully that gets across. So do keep your thoughts coming. We will get to them after the break. We are asking you, um, are you hopeful about Malaysia? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Charmila, Lynn and Sherrod. We've been talking about, um, as we just said, uh, whether we're feeling hopeful about Malaysia's future. So earlier on in the show, we heard from a number of people who have been working towards creating a better Malaysia. People working in advocacy and NGOs and activism and so on. Um, We've also been hearing from you. We'd like to continue getting your messages. Let us know. Are you hopeful for Malaysia? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Let's start with a voice note. We have this from Saiful. It was at one point of my life, I was looking at Malaysia as a total darkness. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Because I look at it from my point of view as a father and as a businessman here in Malaysia. And when... 2018 happened, and of course the 2023 happened, 2022 happened. Suddenly I saw there's a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel. And we have, I'm not saying that the Prime Minister is not good or another kind of difference is not good, not clear. But I see the vision that we have right now for Malaysia, especially Malaysia Madani, was complete. And the total track, in uh, in total way, is just have a clear path of what we are going to do and who's going to involve it and who's going to benefit from it and that's keep my hope up for Malaysia remember last time before that I was my intention is to migrate to another country because I don't see any I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel and I am very hopeful for Malaysia for the next four or five years four years or maybe 20 years that Malaysia can be great again. Malaysia can be once become the tiger of Asia. Saiful, thank you for that. Um, firstly, I'm glad you started seeing the light at the end of the tunnel again. Um, I also found your your points very interesting because right now there's so much um, sort of dissatisfaction with the unity government overall uh, that it, it is actually quite heartening to hear from someone who sees this as um, perhaps reigniting some sense of hope. What I find intriguing, actually, Saiful, is that we've been we've heard from a few people who've also said, well, I never really thought about Malaysia's future. I think uh, TIDJ, in fact, said that earlier, that, well, I, I'm here. <laughs> you know, I'm not necessarily thinking about what it's going to be like in a few decades. And you rightly point out the circumstances under which you might have that exact consideration. If you're a father, if you're a business person, if you're somebody who, um, you know, in general, perhaps is, a planner, (laughs) then these are things that you might consider. And like Sharmila said, I'm glad that you can see a pathway towards um, your child or your children and your business being able to thrive here. You know, the American Republican primaries are going ongoing. And this very bizarre character who's part of one of the candidates, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, has said so, he's made some, you know, I, there are many things I don't like about this character. Not that I have any skin in that game. But he did say something about countries where there are aspirations and that if the country falls short, it it's still good because uh, there's a consensus that those aspirations are worth 
striving for and achieving, right? So instead of looking at the the, the lapses or the failures, uh, you look at the overall picture because any country is going to, I mean, it's a, it's a huge ship, right? You're moving all kinds of people and trying to stir steer it in the right direction. So having those aspirations firstly and a consensus around them, that's the important thing. A couple of people um, chiming in just to say, very hopeful. Um, I like being here. So Belinda, for instance, says, say what you like. I like my country, Malaysia. Nope, not going anywhere. We'll definitely expire here. <laughs> yes, hopeful for a better Malaysia. Uh, Andrew, meanwhile, says, Malaysia is a lovely country. Food selection, friendly people, rich in natural resources and free from major natural disasters. It could be much better. If our politicians could focus on developing the economy, improving education, stopping corruption, instead of constantly worrying about staying in power. Yeah, uh, I think that those are... Actually, Andrew, your message points directly to the dichotomy, right, that people tend to talk about. The lovely country, beautiful nature, great food. On the other hand, economy, education, corruption. And I, I think that it's... These things are balance, essentially. This is exactly what we're getting at about the notion of quality of life and what it means to have that quality of life and what you use to gauge it. And actually, having hope doesn't mean being blind to faults. And sometimes I think that gets viewed as, oh, what are you so hopeful about? Like, there's so many problems. No, you can have hope about a country and your nation without um, losing complete faith, you know? Um, and in fact, sometimes I think you need to have a little bit of hope so that you can work towards something being better. And I think that's demonstrated with all those voice notes we got from activists and people who are actually doing the hard work of making this country a better place, right? Um, I want to read something from Z. It says, my hope is for workers to be paid fairly. And it's such a big issue in this country. Fair pay for the kind of hard work we do. And I, and I think uh, that's something that can be an uh, issue with government. It can also be with strengthening our trade unions and for people, workers basically coming together and recognizing their strengths in unity. Fazli says, I lose hope in Malaysia every time I'm driving. Malay, Chinese, Indian on the road, I hate everyone equally. <laughs> Double if you're a motorbike rider. But then I get out of my car, I play basketball with friends, I gripe about how rubbish everything is with colleagues, I chat with strangers at the gym, discuss political shenanigans with people from similar or different views in a relatively civil manner. I walk away feeling a little less cynical and a little more hopeful. Then I'm back in my car and I hate everything again. It's a nasty roller coaster ride. <laughs> Fadzli, you know, truly in Malaysia, unity is a hatred of traffic jams and other drivers. Uh, traffic jams, other drivers, um, you forget to use your indicator, but somehow the other person who doesn't use their indicator is the real enemy. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Sure, and are you feeling left out because you don't drive? I don't drive uh, and I kind of uh, yeah zone out from what's happening around me because I take a taxi home. But I must say, this is akin to the doom scrolling on social media because that's exactly what happens with a lot of social media is that you end up hating everybody <laughs> right and but unfortunately we i think we spend more time on social media than we do on the streets driving and i think maybe that's part of the problem well but similar to what fazli is saying right so you hate people on the road but then you get out and you actually speak to people outside of the metal canisters and then you're reminded that actually you like people and this is good and we can have a drink and it's fine and i think social media there's this thing there's this retort that's been making the rounds recently which is i think you need to go and touch grass and i think oh, is that, it, that's a nice one yes that, that's what they say like you know especially when you get you're getting embroiled in the in the social media weeds people tell you go outside touch some grass. And it's meant as a conversation ender, but I actually think that in this context, it's exactly what you need. If you're doom scrolling and things are starting to get a little dire and you're reading a comment section and you're finding yourself <laughs> feeling not great, then you need to go out and talk to someone you know, actually, or you know, just talk to someone in real life. Anyway, keep your thoughts coming. Are you hopeful about Malaysia? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bold, fearless Malaysians. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 7.17. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. We are continuing our conversation on having hope when it comes to our future in Malaysia. And we've been asking you, 
Are you hopeful for Malaysia? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, I did want to start with a voice note, but actually, this message from Tash just came in, uh, just correcting <laughs> okay. you a little bit, Lynn. It's so, not a correction. I won't accept it. But <laughs> Tash, go on. Tash says, "Okay, Lynn, a true Malaysian will say signal lah, not indicator. Hashtag jangan marah." Let me tell you what a true Malaysian will do. All right. A true Malaysian Ouch. has a variety of English references because we are confused. We grew up with <laughs> colonial, with colonial British hangovers in our language. You know, most ache for moustache, etc. And that's fine. Uh, but Gostan's my favorite. Ah, I love Gostan. <laughs> I love Gostan. But I will say that every time I mix up couch and sofa or lift an elevator, I'm reminded of this. I am Maratash. I will take it. <laughs> I, I, I reject. I reject the correction. Now, with that spirit, on to, <laughs> on to a voice note. This is from Vijay. Hi, my hope is that Malaysia can have a strong enforcement agency, plug out all the loopholes and have an equal justice system for those who have and have not, and also no more division based on race and religion. If you can do that, then Malaysia can become a success story. Vijay, thank you for that. I mean, that's a lofty list, but sounds like a good list as well. I I want to tackle the no more division based on race and religion because the others I agree with 100, 100%. I think that those are all excellent goals. I think no more division based on race and religion is interesting to interrogate because it's worth thinking about what we mean when we say no more division. Um, I think sometimes people get... I, I think sometimes people hear that and think that we need to be race blind and then it goes in that direction and then people get a little bit um, up in arms about it. There's a variety of ways to interpret it. I think that us choosing not to battle one another over things like this is good. I think us choosing to understand each other better um, despite having differences is is a way to look at it. No more divisions, interesting, as a phrase. So for me, I usually think that um, you can't fix prejudice and, and, and racism or bigotry on a human personal level. But I do think that we could aspire towards it not being put in place or codified or policy. Um, for me, that's what it generally means when I think about race in terms of how it divides us as a country? I think to a large extent, the consensus still remains that racism, you know, in all its forms uh, is problematic and unacceptable in, in the public sphere. Uh, we generally, I think the majority of people would recognize what is racist and reject it. This is not a country slipping towards de- despite the attempts to, to create more division uh, in a different way. I don't think the consensus has changed. Um, and, you know, on the question of, of eradicating it forever, I mean, one just has to look around the world or read history to recognize that these are always remain as aspirations. They're the horizon we are reaching for. They're not the reality on the ground. I mean, all countries with the best constitutions with, with no, you know, no, that would never have any truck with racism have problems with race and division and, you know, on all kinds of bases. But not necessarily on an institutional level, Mm. which is what we're trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. So we come back to the question of whether affirmative action is racist or is it not? What kind of uh, forms of affirmative action do we want? We had that conversation last week, didn't we? I mean, so we come back to this. This is a Malaysian problem of how do we correct for and provide justice for everybody in the country? Uh, Is affirmative action something that's going to be part of one of many policy tools or or is it going to dominate our imagination? So we've been talking about hope, but of course, um, you know, quite predictably, we're getting a lot of people saying maybe they're running out of it as well. Uh, We have this voice note from Surin. The optimist in me wants to be hopeful, but the realist in me sees what's happening on the ground and just feel depressed and dejected and sad. Surin also adds, especially after the latest state elections. Mm. Surin, I, I mean, if you'd like to get back in touch and say what you see happening on the ground, I'd love to know because we, um, 
I think we've been talking about the distinction between lived experiences and how that can be different for some, uh, as well as um, maybe the, the kind of rhetoric or atmosphere that we live in culturally and how that can be depressing. But sometimes what's happening to us in our daily lives doesn't feel so. But what you're saying is that what you're seeing happening around you is making you feel depressed or making you feel rejected and and I'd love to know what that is. Yeah, and the question is really whether our responses are proportionate. I mean not to dismiss anybody's sense of, you know, of, of their own feelings, but when you look at the numbers, I think what what it what which it should be read as a signal of trends. It's not fixed in stone. The question is can it be turned around? Can those uh, energies, especially coming from younger people, be read and interpreted correctly and policies being put in place or messages put in place to redirect them away from uh, the exclusivist, you know, uh, um, chauvinistic uh, narratives that are being sold to them. And I think it's possible young people are very open. And so if that is the reason that you lost hope and feel depressed and dejected, maybe it's premature. A couple of people just bringing up reasons to be hopeful. Jack says, I have hope for Malaysia when I go to places like New Hollywood, Ipoh, Mikari, MG, Chongkok, Kopitiam, Klang. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, of course. Who wouldn't have hope for Malaysia when we're talking about delicious or spaces where there's delicious food, where everybody congregates. Like, you know, what's not to like? And where everyone's um, slightly grumpy because you're trying to get a place to sit. Yeah, and it's hot. <laughs> yes. yeah, so food is often our, you know, as a substitute for the, the tougher things of dialogue and opening uh, conversations that are uncomfortable and reaching out to communities that we don't, we, we see, maybe feel threatened by, but we don't have the energy to go or the capacity to go and have a dialogue with. Uh, so do do we think that it's a substitute or is it just an opening gambit? Because I view it as an opening gambit. Maybe we don't use it often enough in that way. But I like to think that food is um, really for many of us outside of school, the, the first gateway we have into um, another culture, uh, another Malaysian culture. Yeah, and this is why the mama has been, you know, I think theorized. In fact, there's a book about it, theorized at that space where people come together. And, you know, it, 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 part of it is that in that particular space, those uh, food prohibitions uh, just kind of get softened, and and we are we are allowed to have those dialogues. But I I think food I, I'm not against food as a way of thinking about bringing people together. Remember the famous durian parties of you know post 1969 Malaysia. So this is an old Malaysian trope: bring food as a way of bringing people together. But there's also Babette's feast, which I think is a wonderful um, imaginative. Uh, uh, representation of food and community. Well, actually, I, th I think food just um, helps us think about each other as being slightly closer. Um, I believe that if you appreciate, truly appreciate someone else's cuisine and, and practices, it's a little bit more difficult to you know, to think hate of them. them. To hate them, yeah. No, that's absolutely it. Uh, because it also often entails being welcomed into someone's space, right? Yes, to eat yes. food. And to understand what they sort of... Uh, think of as comfort almost. Um, Anon, meanwhile, is saying, I'm rolling with the punches, counting my blessings while praying for miracles. Merdeka, Merdeka, Merdeka. Uh, Azmi, meanwhile, I've stayed and worked in the UK, Australia, Papua New Guinea, Iran, India, Indonesia, Egypt. Malaysia is always home. Nothing compared to us as a package. We need to be patient and allow the current government to implement reform and institutional changes. Good things don't come overnight. Politicians need to be mature and lead with wisdom rather than popularity. I think that's actually well said. Um, I think we have time. We have this voice note that's come in. This is from Girish. I have been hopeful watching, you know, some recent changes in the political scene. And, you know, it seems like we have a progressive government again. Seems like, you know, more possibilities, more um, new ideas, diversification in, in ideas and what we can and might want to try and do that seems to be back on the table. So I think there's a lot of potential right now. We're in a window now again where a lot of positive change can happen. Uh, and, you know, the, you know the, the space for new ideas and just ideas that, 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 that come from a, a more varied uh, place, I suppose. Um, that's the landscape that we seem to have now. So that's good. And I'm hopeful in that sense. But 
I do feel that I, th- I think something that we we kind of need to do is we really need to to establish what we want the country to look like, what the identity of Malaysia really is meant to be. You know, we we have a lot of a lot of ideas about modernization, a lot of ideas about technology, a lot of ideas about you know innovation and how that's got to be a part of things. And you know, and and always, you know, multiculturalism and the country um, and its diverse um, peoples. But what does that actually mean? I wonder if it's really been distilled into a finite image. You know, what 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 are we trying to achieve? Do we want to be in America? Do we want to be a Singapore? Do we want to be uh, a Norway or one of these countries? Or are we really trying to to create a Malaysia that is uniquely Malaysian? For all the reasons that make us who we are, you know, in particular our culture and and and, and the way that we interact, the way that we uh, experience each other, you know, and all the different um, aspects of that, um, our art heritage, all those things, um, you know, what is the Malaysia that we want to see in the future, you know, and and what is it, what 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 are we really going to be emphasizing on, and how are those things really going to add value to people's lives? Uh, moving forward, you know, so I don't know. I mean, maybe we need artists to come in and start, you know, painting pictures of what this, what Malaysia could look like, you know, and what are the things that are going to support people, you know, uh, in the most effective ways. I just wonder. I, I know that the government has well, has put things together, and is 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 you know we have our Madani framework and all that stuff, but I just wonder if we have this distilled idea of where we would like to be what what is that going to look like you know and and to have that in some sort of clear solid way um and and for the reasons for for having that image uh, to be clear as well so that we know why we're we're striving to it i'm not giving a specific idea myself I, i have some ideas i guess of what we could look like aesthetically um but yeah i just wonder if that's something that we should be thinking about and how do we get that you know, how do we funnel as much information into into creating that image as possible uh, so that we can have a definitive Malaysia uh, that serves everyone and that really brings out the best in, in all of us. Thanks. Girish, thanks for that. I think that's a great note to end this conversation on. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.